take your Bibles, if you would, this morning to Numbers chapter 13. Got me. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13 and starting in verse 17. Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward to go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether it be wood therein or not. And be of good courage and bring fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zen to Rehob as men come to Hamath. And they ascended into the south and came into Hebron where Amahim and Shishai and Talamai, the children of Anak, were, and Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. They came into the brook of Eshol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they buried it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and the figs. And the place was called the brook Eshol because of the cluster of the grapes and the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. And went and came to Moses and Aaron to all the congregation of the children of Israel and to the wilderness of Paran and of Kadesh. And brought by word unto them, unto all the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27. They told him and said, We came into the land where thou sentest, and surely it floweth milk and honey, and this is the fruit of. Put me on the pulpit, Mike. Verse 28. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities were walled, and verily great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, by the coast Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are able to overcome it. Verse 31, But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. Let us bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for the privilege to once again be in your house to preach your word. I pray, God, that you, again that you'd be with our pastor. And for a little time, may he be able to leave the care of the church, the troubles, and the responsibility and from his mind and enjoy his time with his dear wife and friends and family there in California. Be with Dr. Crabb as he preaches, maybe even now, that you'd bless him and fill him with thy spirit. We thank you, Lord, for all your goodness and your grace. In this hour, she would do what we cannot do. She would speak to the hearts of people that, Father, this moment we would hear your voice. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was saved between 
my junior year and senior year in high school, I went from a high school of about 3,000 to a graduating class of six. Quite a change. Where I was at in public school, we had a football team, track team, a wrestling team, baseball team, all kinds of teams. So I got involved as much as I can in sports in my public school, but after my salvation, I met a man by the name of Larry Ledbetter, and he encouraged me to go to a Christian school and get involved in Christian education, and thank God that I did. But the Christian school, they had two sports, soccer and basketball. <clears throat> so I said, okay, I'm going to play soccer. Now, I've never played soccer. I thought it was for wimps. Whoa, what I found out, that was wrong. And he made me the goalie. I said, you're a tough football player. You get to play goalie. And he said, I want you to do something. I said, what, coach? He said, when you see that player coming down the field and that ball in front of him is getting ready to hit it towards the goal, I want you to charge at him. I looked at him. You mean you don't mean to stand there and wait? He said, no. I want you to charge at him. See, if you charge at him, it's probably, first of all, going to surprise him. And secondly, you're going to narrow the distance and the angle which he has to shoot into the net. That sounded great, but he wasn't the one having to do it. <laughs> you want me to go that way, the guy who's shooting the ball at me towards the net. <laughs> and I said, well, that sounds good. But you want me to do it? He said, yeah, actually do it. So he had me practice it and practice it. And then it came to the game. He wanted me to do it. And to be honest, when I chose to leave my coach, forget my fears, and obey him and do what he instructed me to do and taught me to do, many times, most of the time, I was successful. But when I hesitated, when I got afraid, I thought to myself, this is crazy, this is nuts, why am I even here? And I let him come towards me, I panicked, and he put the ball in the goal, and I lost. Many times in life, we have paralysis by analysis. We overthink the problem, and we don't do what God wants us to do. Paralysis by analysis. What is the process of this paralysis? Well, first, let me remind you a little bit of the history of the Hebrews. They were in bondage for nearly 400 years in Egypt. God sent a deliverer by the name of Moses to deliver them through ten plagues. Finally, Pharaoh let God's people go. And they crossed over the Red Sea and Unfortunately, this 11-day journey to Kadesh Barnea became a two-year journey because of lack of faith, lack of obedience. But finally, they ended up in Kadesh Barnea and was prepared to go into the land that was promised to them, promised to Abraham, promised to Jacob, promised to Isaac. And now, after all these years, they're getting ready to, to go into this land and take it. So what does Moses tell them to do? First of all, he tells them, I want you to give me a report. The first thing we do when we're told to do, we, we analyze the situation. It's not a bad thing, right? People don't often plan to fail. They fail to plan. 
There's an old phrase, fools rush in. Sometimes we don't do what we need to do by looking at the situation and analyzing the situation just to see what's going on, what's, what's going on. And so they went. Uh, Moses sent them out to the land, sent them out to see what was going on. Jesus even said in, in Luke chapter 14, verse 28, For which of you, intending to be in a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? Will you have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he have laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. There's not, nothing wrong with looking at the situation, looking over the situation, planning, praying, preparing yourself to do the thing that God had them to do. But unfortunately, they came back with this recommendation. They surveyed the land, but they gave their recommendation. They reported on the fruit of the land, and the fruit was wonderful. Huge grapes, huge figs, huge pomegranates, the land of, of milk and honey, and everybody said, Amen, let's go today. Let's go today. But they didn't just focus on the food, they focused on the people. They said, There's giants in the land, we're fearful. Remember the story? Ten said it's bad, two said it was good, everybody except for. Uh, Joshua and Caleb said it was good. There was a representative from each of the tribes. Ten of them said, don't do it. Caleb and Joshua said, go, let's go, let's do it. And isn't that the, the cry of our country today? We live in fear and disorder and disunity. A few people cry out, let's go for God, let's live right, let's do right. But the majority says, no, you can't, no, you won't. I love what F.B. Meyer says about this. The spies compared the Canaanites with themselves instead of with the Almighty God. Do not look at God through the circumstances, but at circumstances through God. There's no land worth possessing which, not, which has not its giants. But like Caleb, faith looks not at giants, but to the living God. We look so often at the problems and how big they are. But folks, don't look at the big problem. Look how big your God is. How big is your God? How big is your God? Oh, they'd seen what God had done in the past. But are they willing to believe God for the future? The whole world says, you can't, kids can't get saved today. I believe God. By the grace of God, they can. People say folks can't get saved through door-to-door -door ministry nowadays. I believe by the grace of God, God can. People say today, can teenagers feel used of God? Can they grow up in, 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 in homes that want to do right and live right and they'll live for God? The world says they can't, but God says they can. The whole world may be saying to you, you can't. God says you can. Who are you going to believe? Your fears or God? Who are you going to believe? So we see the report of the spies, but not only that, that we see secondly the revolt of the people. Oftentimes, re rebellion comes after a time of unbelief. They're told what to do. They analyze the situation and they say, well, I don't, I don't want to do it, so I'm not going to do it. And they begin to rebel. Look at chapter 14 and verse 1. Chapter 14 and verse 1, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. 
They roared, we don't want to do this. The spies say, we can't. I know God wants us to do it, but the report is evil. We can't go into the land. How many times have you heard family and friends or loved ones tell you, you can't? Oh, you can't have a successful family in this world? You can't raise, a, you can't raise kids? You can't live for God? You can't do right? Oh, first of all, they wish for death in verse 2. Thirdly, secondly, they, the children of Israel, they wanted to return to Egypt. And thirdly, they wanted a new leader to return, to return them back to Egypt. How easy is it for oftentimes for us to analyze the situation? This happened to another man by the name of Ananias. Remember in Acts chapter 9, Paul gets saved on the road to Damascus. And God tells him, go to Damascus. There's a man there waiting for you. And there in Damascus, Ananias, a disciple of Christ, hears the Lord telling him, I want you to go and see Paul. And what does Ananias say in Acts chapter 9, verse 13? Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many of this man, how much evil he hath done by the saints of Jerusalem. And there he hath authority from chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. God, you want me to go see this man who persecuted the church? Who's destroying Christians' lives? Ananias, trust me. Obey me. And all will be well. And he did. And God was right. The people rebelled. Verse 10, look at verse 10. The Bible says in the Ark congregation, bade stone them with stones. You mean Moses who let them out? Stone him with stones? And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Oh, dear friends, we see the report of the spies. We see the revolt of the people. What, what does the Lord say? His remedy in verse 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I showed among them? Didn't they see the ten plagues? Didn't they see God's hand? Did not they see the parting of the Red Sea? Did not they see God's hand? Did not they see the law that God had given them through the servant Moses? Yes, but they still disbelieved God. Oftentimes when I'm talking to people about God, they'll say to me, now I'll tell you what, if you would just show me a miracle, if you call on your God and bring somebody back from the dead, or you do something, I'll tell you what I believe. But Jesus had something to say about that. Remember that? Luke chapter 16, the rich man Rich man, the Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse 27, and he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. In verse 29, chapter 16, Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Abraham said, verse 31, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Folks, ultimately, it comes to belief. Will 
you believe God. And once you believe Him and know Him, you will obey Him because He's never lied to you yet, has He? Has He ever failed you? In nearly 29 years of being a Christian, God has never failed Marty Moon one time. And He never will. I've failed Him thousands of times. You've talked to others probably millions of times. But God's never failed me. Every time He's promised me something, it's always come true. He's always lived up to His expectations. How does God respond? Look at verse 14, chapter chapter 14, verse 12. I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them and make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. Let's just remedy it all, Moses. Let's just destroy them all. They won't listen. They won't hear. They won't obey. I will wipe them out. And I'll start again with you. You said, that's God? Yeah, that's God. That's Jehovah God. The same one that sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins so we could have everlasting life. But came to a place where he said, Moses, I'm going to wipe them out. And I'm going to start all over with you. How did, how did Moses respond to that? Look at his request. Chapter 14, verse 13. First of all, he reminded God of his reputation. Verse 13. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou broughtest up the people in thy might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, that, thy, that, that thou cloud standeth over them, and thou goest before them by, by daytime in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire by night. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them, therefore hath he slain them in the wilderness. Moses knew God's sweet spot. He spent time with God. He said, God, if you wipe them all out, you can do what you want. But if you wipe them all out, the people are going to hear about it. Those Egyptians, they're going to say, oh, it was just a fluke. It was just a joke. Oh, it didn't really happen. It, was, it, it didn't really happen. God can't take care of you. He's no God. He's not strong. He has no power. Look at them. They left us and they died in the wilderness. Oh, it doesn't work at all. How many Christians have you met in life who says, your God doesn't work? I hear what you say, go to church, live by the golden rule, do right. But it doesn't work for me. You ever go to God and say, God, show them your power. Show them that you're real. Show them that you're alive. Would you work through my life? Would you work in their life? Would you work in a way to show them that you are God not only did he remind them of his reputation, look at verse 17. He reminded them of his, he reminded God of his record. And now I beseech thee, let the power of thy Lord be great according to thy forsaken, saying, The Lord is long suffering, of great mercy, 
forgiven iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according to unto thy greatness of thy mercy, and as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt into now. He reminded them, he reminded God of his reputation, and he reminded God of his record. God, this is what people will say. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Oh, how wonderful it is to have people in our life that when we go astray, they intercede for us. Who has been your intercessor in your life? For me, it was my grandmother. Her name was Margaret Basinger. If I start talking about her, I'll start crying. I called her my meemaw. She called me her Marty boy. Wow. Wow. I'm here today because of her prayers. Oh, I heard about God so many times growing up in church. But she prayed for me and prayed for me. And loved me. And cared about me. And fed me. Thank God for her food. (laughs) Mama was a good cook. But Grandma was a great cook. (laughs) Oh, to have biscuit gravy with that red-eye gravy one more time. Mm. She interceded for me. She interceded. What is the response of God? Did he listen to Moses? Verse 20. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. He listened. Does God listen to our prayers? (laughs) Yes, he listens. Ask. Seek. Knock. Why does he say those things? Because he wants us to. The Lord said, I pardon according to thy word. Verse 21, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Whatever happens, Moses, whether they live, whether they die, I can tell you this, I will be glorified in all of this. And he is. In our obedience, he is glorified. And in our disobedience, God will be glorified. He will be. What was his response? He gave a pardon. But not only that, he gave a promise. To those who disobeyed God, Numbers chapter 14, verse 30, look at it. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephthah, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Even those men that did bring up the evil report from the land died by the plague before the Lord. Everyone who didn't believe And everyone from 19 years age or 20 years of age and over was not going to get to go to the land. Does your disobedience and lack of hearing God's voice affect others? Yes, it does. For 40 days, they would go into the land and spy it out. And for 40 years, 
a year for each day they were in the land. They would be wandering in the wilderness and they would die. Every one of them, save Joshua and Caleb, each one would die except for them because of their disbelief. Because they wouldn't listen. Because they wouldn't go. And dear brother and sister in Christ, we are dying in our disobedience. We are dying because we do not listen. Because we follow our flesh, our desires, our wants. Our will, we are dying in disobedience. To the degree you disobey, to the degree we die. But to the degree we obey, to the degree we are blessed. And God wants to bless. He says in verse 31, But your little ones, when you've said, be, be a prey. You said, if I take my little ones in there, they'll all die. But God said, no, if they wouldn't die, I would have provided for them. I would have protected them. I would have went in. I would have wiped them out. You could have seen my hand, but you wouldn't listen to me. Your little ones who you said should be prey, I will bring them in. And they shall know the land which you have despised. Oh, they're going to get to see it. You're not going to get to see it. The majority of you are not going to get to see it because you don't believe. But the minority is going to get to see it. The small ones, the young ones, the innocent ones, they're, they're going to get to see it. What happened to them? Paralysis by analysis. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you get afraid... And you know, you know it's what God wants you to do. You don't, it's not a maybe so, maybe not, could I, wishy-washy thing. It's what God desires you to do. And that fear grips your soul. Say, no, this is not from you, God. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what you want me to do, though it's fear. I'm afraid. I'm fearful. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey you. And I'm going to go and do exactly what you want me to do. This last week, I was on the side of sitting, waiting for some folks at 7-Eleven. And a lady there was elder lady that she was there, and she uh, was working on her tires. And my flesh said, don't even look over there. <laughs> don't, don't, don't even, don't even, don't look. But the Spirit said, help her! The voice it's a strange thing. That voice often sounds like my wife's voice. <laughs> you're, supposed, you're supposed to be a preacher. <laughs> you, you call yourself a Christian? <laughs> Go over and help that lady. She's got a problem with her tire. I don't want to. I don't want to. God says, you got to. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't, Nobody else will. That person across the street, they're dying going to hell. I don't want to. If you don't, who's going to tell them? I don't want to forgive that guy. He's been mean to me for so many years. If you don't, God's going to take away the blessing from your life. I can't give. I can't go. I won't. Okay, don't. But if you don't, 
If you don't, do you know the blessing you're going to miss from God Himself? Oh, how I want to take a time machine and go back in time and say to these ten men, don't you see what happens? Don't you know what's going to happen to you? Your loved ones and your friends and your families, they're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. They're going to die because of your decisions not to believe God. I would say that to them. But dear friend, I say that to you. Because you're going to make decisions this week. They may change your entire destiny. Are you going to choose to live in fear? Are you going to choose to obey in faith? The doctor said to Hudson Taylor, you're a dead man. He had pricked his finger on a needle that was poisonous. He said, go home, put your house in order. Taylor said, no, I'm going to China. God's called me to China. I'm going to China. That day, Hudson Taylor died. He didn't die physically. He died to himself. His fears, a lot of folks said, stay, go home, take care of yourself. Taylor said, no, I'm going to China. And God used Hudson Taylor by the grace of God to see many folks saved. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat die, it fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Will you listen to God's voice and die to yourself in your fears and obey Him? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. Thank You for Your love and Your kindness to us. Oh, how long-suffering You are to us. How gracious. Forgive us, Lord, of our disobedience, our lack of faith, our fearfulness, fickleness, faithless, our pride and bitterness. Oh God, forgive us as a people. We've sinned a great sin, much like the children of Israel sinned. We have been sinful. But oh God, I pray God you'd help us repent and choose in our lives individually to obey you in our lives. Whatever you call us to do, whatever you call us to do, God, I pray that you'd help us to see the need to simply obey, to say yes, to follow your voice and realize how good and gracious you've been and claim the very promises of God. Speak, I pray, dear Father, in Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, why don't you do it right now? It's simple, really. Here's a couple of Bible verses that'll help you to understand. Probably the most well-known verse in all of Scripture is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That verse says, whosoever believeth. The whosoever is you. But the whosoever believes what? 
Number one, you need to understand that you are a sinner. God says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, you need to understand that nothing that you can do, getting baptized, belonging to a church, going to a church, donating money, while all good things, they will not satisfy a just God. God says in Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to God's mercy, he saved us. And number three, you need to understand that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and resurrected the third day. And if you believe that, God promised in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Your prayer of confession could go like this. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner unworthy of your mercy, but ask for your mercy and your forgiveness. I know I can't get to heaven on my own, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was buried and resurrected the third day that I might be saved and have a new life. Save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you ask Jesus to save you, would you do me a favor? Let us know so that we can pray for you and rejoice with you. Our church phone is 239-947-1285. The website is www.gospelbaptistchurch.com or go to iTunes podcast at gospelbaptistchurch.com.